for my, not that I don't talk from my heart all the time, but I am possibly going to even turn my notes off here today and just speak from my heart a little bit. Um, because this is a subject that is so, it's so real to me and I think that it's so relevant to what is happening right now in the world and in the U.S. And from actual discussions I've had with you guys, this is something that can really minister to your heart right now. If you have been dealing with fear and anxiety on any level in this season, then I'm telling you, you can have breakthrough today against fear and anxiety. How many of you just be bold right now and raise your hand and say, I've been dealing with fear and anxiety? Just be bold. Be bold. We're a family here. We're a community. Here's the first thing I want to say. Sometimes we get into a trap of feeling guilty about fear and anxiety, but let me tear that down right away. As a believer, fear and anxiety aren't coming out from the inside of you. They are attacking you. They're coming from the outside in. Fear and anxiety do not belong to the believer, meaning that when it attacks you, it will be silly to feel guilty for something attacking you from the outside in. So if we can get over the feeling of guilt or anxiety, those thoughts, what am I doing wrong? What am I letting in? What am I doing? I do. It's a very self-centered way to think. There is an enemy out there, and he would love nothing more than to attack you and get into your life through fear and anxiety. So first thing I want to say is tear that guilt and shame down right now and don't go back to it. Right? You're being attacked. How do we stand against it? How do we resist the urge to give in to the fear and anxiety? And listen, every one of us respond differently to fear and anxiety. Some of us get angry. Some of us get angry and lash out at the people around us who love us uh, because we don't know how to process this. But here's the thing, as a believer, we need to stop trying to figure out how to process it and start figuring out how to resist it. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's only one kind of fear that is good. It's fear of the Lord, and it looks nothing like the fear this world or the enemy throws at you. Here's the way fear of the Lord works. Jesus was walking on the water. There was a storm, and when he got in the boat, he commanded the winds and rains to stop. It said the disciples were terrified of the storm. When Jesus spoke to it, there's this verse that could be a bit confusing if you just breeze past it. When the storm calmed, it says the disciples looked upon Jesus and were terrified. When our fear is in the right place, meaning we are operating in fear of the Lord, there won't be any room to be afraid of what the world's throwing at us or what the enemy is throwing at us. We just need to take the right kind of fear and put it in the right place. Fear of the Lord looks like awe and reverence of a God who's already done the work. A God who, when he had his arms stretched on the cross, he said, it is finished, and he meant that it is finished. The work was finished. It is a done deal. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Do you know he hasn't created one tree or one blade of grass since that day? He created grass and trees and everything alive, including humans, to survive and thrive off seed and harvest time. And he is not creating. Now, creation creates. And just like he rested on that seventh day, Jesus on the cross went to hell for three days, rose from the dead with the keys of life and death in his hands and completed the work and then told us it's yours now. 
The same spirit that brought me from the dead, the same spirit that healed my wounds, the same spirit resident in me is now yours. His work was done, meaning now it is up to creation to go operate in the things he put on the inside of us. Too many times our prayers sound like, Lord, please get rid of this fear. If it's your will, help this to happen, help that to happen. But the truth is, we can know the mind of God. Paul tells us that in Corinthians. And once we do, our job is to go operate in it. And when things aren't lining up with what he says, we, with authority, tell it to line up. And that is why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith to Timothy. Because the only kind of fight that is good is the fight you win. And when you stand and you make a decision, I'm not going to quit. I'm not leaving this ring until the bell rings. Then you win. Because of Jesus, you are the predetermined winner. Some things will come against you. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes it's the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes it's just the world. Sometimes it's our own thoughts. Sometimes it's our own doing. But it's all okay because God said, fear not. I've overcome the world. If he's on our side, who can be against us? Fight the good fight of faith. This is a conversation I've had a whole lot in the past month. Pray for me. I need peace. I'll never not pray for you or with you if you ask me. But I'm going to tell you something. I said it last week. Today I'm going to elaborate on it. Prayer, in that moment, I've, ha- I've, I've, been, I've dealt with anxiety before. I've dealt with fear before. Several times in my life. After my dad died for six months, I dealt with anxiety that was literally crippling. Prayer may bring some temporary relief. But the word and knowing the word literally attacks the root of fear and makes it so that it has no leg to stand on and there's no place in it or in you for that fear to take root. Remember our series, Catch the Foxes? Do you remember what foxes do? Foxes in the natural, if they find fruit that they like, they will pull fruit directly off the vine And then if you don't get rid of them, they will burrow around that plant and cut the roots off from the source of the nutrients that it gets from the ground. And that plant will die from the root up. And that's what fear does to us. If it figures out it can have a hold in us, if anxiety figures out how I can have a hold on this person, then it starts to burrow and dig. And we still got a root system. And there is still a source of life here that is the source of life for every human and true for every believer. But that fear will cut us off from this. And it'll try to take us out any chance it gets. There is no replacement for the word in your life. Prayer is no replacement for the word. Worship is no replacement for the word. The word is the foundation. Prayer, worship, these are all amazing outpourings of a foundation set in the word. You want your prayer time, your worship time to get electrified? This is where it has to start. If your time with the Lord does not involve the word, I'm going to just tell you flat out, take some time off of the prayer time and the worship time and get into this. 
You've got to. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, it is the only cure. It will attack it at the root. The scripture that I really want us to, to focus on today is John 10, 26 to 27. Jesus is talking and he says, you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. That's a hard word. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Man, if we were confident in the voice of God when we hear it, it would end so much fear and anxiety before it began. So again, I'm going to ask you a question here. This question does not lead to condemnation. This question is an invitation to something better, something more you can move on to. The question is, do you question the voice of God in your life? If you are praying, and here's what your response sounds like a lot of times, is this the Lord or is it me? Is it the Lord or is it something else? If that question is in your mind constantly, then according to Jesus, you may not be one of his sheep. Does that mean you're not a Christian? No. Does that mean you're not saved? Absolutely not. But there's a difference between being saved and just knowing the voice of Jesus. I've said this before in here and it's been kind of a joke and I made it funny and it is funny, but my dad could do this thing with his mouth if I was acting up, he would just do this. And if I was on the other side of Carowinds, <laughs> and, I, and he, I could hear it. It would reverberate through my brain, and I would know when I get home, I am in trouble. I knew my dad's voice like no other voice. And I know you got somebody in your life, you know their voice. How? How did I know it like that? Because of time spent with him. Because of time in his presence. Do you know how you become a sheep? Time with the shepherd. Do you know how you know his voice? Time with him. What does time with him look like? Yes, prayer, that's communication, right? But really, prayer is also a two-way street, and if your prayer time is a lot of you talking and not as much, at least, of you listening, then your prayer time might also need a bit of a jump start. Worship, absolutely, yes, that brings his presence directly to us, and it's great time with him. But John 1.1 says the word was there in the beginning and was God and was with God. This is the best way to spend time in his presence. You gotta get to know it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I've been saying it for weeks. That's a good place to start if you haven't started. Spend some time in the word, get to know him, because here's what happens when you get to know the shepherd's voice. You start to know the way he talks. Because when he's speaking to you, if you have that question always going on in your mind, did I hear God or is it just me? Did I hear God or is it something else? Well, first thing that's gonna happen is when you get to know the word, he'll never say anything directly to you that goes against this. So there's your first thing right there. You could ask that question. Well, is what I'm hearing, does that, does that go against the word or does that go right in line with the word? If it's in line with this thing, I'm willing to bet that's the Lord. And here's the other side of that. You'll just get to know his voice and you'll recognize it when he's speaking. You'll just begin to recognize it. Two weeks ago, my father-in-law was here, my mother-in-law. And when my father-in-law walked in the back door, I had my eyes closed and I was praying. I heard him say one thing. I didn't have to open my eyes. My father-in-law's here. 
I know his mannerisms. I know how he talks. I don't even know if he said a word. I just, I heard him, I heard a, a father-in-law noise. I don't know. You know, old folks make noises. I heard a noise. And I knew that's my father-in-law. He's here. When you spend time getting to know this, you are getting to know Jesus. And there's no substitute. There are other voices out there. You know that? When you pray, you open yourself up to a world that we don't see with our physical eyes. Do y'all know there's a spiritual world out there? You know there's angels and demons. There, there is spirit out there. We're made of flesh, but there's a whole other world that we don't see. And when we open up in prayer, when we open up in worship, the voice of God is not the only voice out there. And if you don't know what his voice sounds like, there's a chance you might hear the wrong one and listen. I mean, we can, talk, we can start with our own voice. You know, you have your own voice in your mind. 1 Kings 19, 12 says, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a still, small voice. You know, your own thoughts sometimes can sound like a still, small voice. Sometimes we get our own thoughts and the voice of God confused. But if you want to know the difference between your own thoughts and God's thoughts and his voice, it goes back to this. You have to get to know the voice of the shepherd. There's also demonic voices out there. there. There is a spiritual world and there's two sides of it. Jesus took away all the authority of the enemy, but when we open ourselves up to the voice, that's, they're still out there talking, they're still out there lying, and when we open ourselves up to their voices, we are giving them authority in our life that they got taken away. But we gotta know the difference. And, and, you, and you might be thinking, well, the difference between God's voice and the devil's voice, that's, that's an easy one. Well, I don't know. Because if you don't know the word, the devil used the serpent to speak to Eve. Why? Because it was the most subtle of creatures. Why didn't he use a bear or a dinosaur? Why didn't a Brachiosaurus walk up to Eve and say, eat this fruit? Or I'll stomp you. Uh, that's funny, but do you know why? Do you know why that didn't happen? Because they had authority over the animals and they knew it. And there was no threat that could scare them into eating that apple because they did, to some degree, know the voice of the Lord. But here's something that'll blow your mind. We actually have opportunity to know the Lord better than they did. In fact, if you read Genesis, Adam is the only one that heard directly from God the instruction. Eve heard it from Adam. And then the subtle creature came in and said, did God really say don't eat that fruit? It wasn't the bear. It wasn't the lion. In 1 Kings, his voice was not in the earthquake or the fire. He came subtly doing his best job to mimic that still small voice. And these folks that walked with God physically in the cool of the day fell for it. Man, they didn't have this benefit. They had his voice in the cool of the day, but they didn't have this. You got his word in your hand, on your phone, on your computer. You can have access to his word, him at any time, any given time, and get to know that voice and that subtle voice of the enemy will never have a place in your life. There's this really 
weird story in the Old Testament where King Saul doesn't want a word from God. He wants a word from the prophet Samuel who was dead. And the word says that the soothsayer lady called up the spirit of Samuel and the spirit of Samuel actually scolded Saul for wanting to call him up instead of hearing from God, which is kind of funny, right? A ghost or whatever, I don't know. But here's my whole point in saying that. There might be other voices out there other than the devil and God. I don't know. There was in this story. And if nothing else, here's what this can speak of. And sometimes we are so just captivated by the ghost of our past or tradition that we stop ourselves from hearing anything from the Lord because that's not how mom did it. That's not how dad did it. That's not how my uncle and aunt did it. That's not how they did it. But let me tell you, if the ghost of your past, if tradition is speaking louder to you than the voice of God, then you may not be a sheep. Because sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus came and tried to break that with all he could at every point. Tradition, tradition, tradition. I was talking to somebody recently, and they said, I've always believed a certain way. But now things are changing, and I'm having a really hard time with some of these changes, but I'm opening up the Bible, and I'm having a hard time believing what I'm reading off the page. And I'm realizing that my tradition is something I have more faith in than the actual Word of God. There are other voices out there. When you get to know this one, you get to know the voice of the one that matters. And like Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and listen. I'm actually to my last point. I'm flying through this, but, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me through it. I really felt like I needed to get through all this stuff today. And, um, I'm here to the last thing I really wanted to say. But that's gonna be talking about once you know the word, once you do know his voice, if you've never experienced this, but the power of praying his word. The power of praying his word. If you have never experienced that, that is something that you will, well, it could change your whole life. It could change your whole life. And, and, and it's actually going to tie into everything I've been saying. So, so hold tight. Philippians 4.8, I call that our, um, our prescription for fear. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So, so don't think I'm telling you not to pray. I'm telling you that this is just as important. It's got to be a part of your life. Amen. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Well, that's not, that's Philippians 4.8. What am I reading? Philippians 4.9, maybe. Sorry, I gave you the wrong scripture. 4.6. I just had it upside down. <laughs> Philippians 4.6. Don't worry about any. I don't need to see it, but it's don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. His peace will flood your heart and mind. Three parts of that prescription. Pray about it. Tell God what you need. And thank him for what he's done. I know I mentioned this last week, but again, this is what I'm really going to go into some detail on. Thank him for what he has done. Thank him for what he has done. 
Yes, he woke us up this morning. Yes, you're living in a, a house and you have a car and you have a family. But what has been done was on the cross and it was a done deal. And when you know what he did for you, you're thanking him for what he has done. Might sound a little different than it has in the past, but when you thank him for healing your body instead of begging him for that healing, then I believe you're gonna start seeing some victory in your body that you have never seen. You got to know the word, honestly, to be able to thank him for what he's done. James says this is our mirror. This is how we look in the spirit. Hebrews 4.12 is going to be our last scripture for the day. I'm going to go into a little bit of Greek here. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. King James language, but here's what it means. The word of God is a two-edged sword that cuts asunder and divides soul and spirit, meaning when you use the word, you will be able to decipher what is of the flesh, what is of the spirit. Is this the voice of God? Is this my own voice? Is this the voice of God? Is this the enemy? It goes way deeper than that, but this is what we're talking about in this moment. And here's what we're going to talk about in the Greek, the word double-edged talks about the double-edged sword. It is a compound word in the Greek, the word die, which means two, and stomos, which means mouth. Two, double-edged sword, a better translation would be a two-mouthed sword. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. This has existed since before time began. And when we, with our mouth and tongues made of flesh and blood, declare this word, it becomes a two-mouthed, two-tongued sword and cuts and divides between spirit and flesh. And it's so often the missing factor between us and walking in victory. Is it's been spoken, but man, this needs to come out of your mouth. This has got to be in your heart and it's got to come out of your mouth. And when it does, it is a double-edged, two-mouthed, two-tongued sword that cuts between spirit and flesh. Too many times in my life I've caught myself praying this prayer. Lord, if it's your will, why do we start prayers with that when Paul wrote, we can know the mind of God? If you're still praying prayers that sound like that, you might not be getting to know the mind of God, which is right here. We would pray a whole lot less, Lord, if it's your will, I'm asking you to heal my body. But when we know the word, our prayer might sound more like this. I know that you told me in 1 Peter 2.24, by your stripes I was healed. I know that you told me in the book of Isaiah that you were wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes we were healed. I know that you told me I have power over sickness and disease. So right now I'm speaking to my body and with authority I'm telling you to line up with the will of God. Amen. Amen. 
When you get to know the word, you'll hear Jesus teach you how to pray. And the way he's going to end that prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. So here's a very easy litmus test for what is the will of God. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it has no business existing on earth. And Jesus wouldn't have said it to us if it wasn't possible. And he wouldn't have told us to pray a prayer that we didn't have the authority to see it through. Does this exist in heaven? No. All right, well then no more is this your will. I'm speaking to this thing. I'm going to be the miracle. I'm going to act. My actions are going to line up with getting rid of this stuff. Man, if my lifestyle is leading me to sickness, I'm going to change it. I'm going to use authority in the spirit the whole time and declare victory. I'm also going to change my lifestyle. The enemy comes subtly. Sometimes it's just one little thing. It's like it's not the first cigarette that gives people cancer, right? It's a subtle thing. You might really enjoy that first one, but I promise you, you will not enjoy the last one. And that is what it is like when we're given the enemy's voice place in our life. Maybe at first, that wasn't so bad. Hang out on me. Lisa always says this, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. <laughs> if you give him a little foothold, he's going to take whatever else you give him without even asking. But you can stop it from the very beginning when you get to know the voice of the shepherd. Because my sheep hear my voice and say yes. My sheep hear my voice and know that it's me. It will change your prayer life when you know the word for the better. Amen. It will change your worship time when you know the word for the better. Man, one of the big things that will happen to your worship time is you'll stop counting the cost. You'll stop looking at your watch. You'll stop thinking, when are we going to get out of here? You'll stop thinking, this is taking a long time. And you're going to start looking a whole lot more like Mary, who just dumped out a year's salary worth of perfume on the feet of Jesus that didn't take one thought about the cost. What will happen to your prayer life it is that you'll look a lot less grovelly and, and, and begging, and you'll look a mo lot more like a son and daughter of God walking with authority. When I was a teenager, uh, my friends and my, a uh, couple of my good buddies, our favorite thing to do on Fridays was rent a movie. We would open this window on Sundays. We'd just hit that latch up. And, or on Wednesday nights. And on Friday nights, we didn't have a key to the church. So we'd rent a movie, and we'd come break into church through that window <laughs> and eat pizza and watch the movie on the big screen. <laughs> and somebody said one day to me, one of my friends said, what if somebody calls the police? And I said, it's all right. My dad's the pastor. I'll tell him my dad's the pastor. I'll get my dad on it. And I'll say, hey, dad, they're trying to arrest me. Would you please tell them this is my church? This is my house? I know we're laughing, but I knew my dad and I knew my authority. I didn't walk tiptoe and we only broke through the window because it was kind of fun. He'd have given me a key if I'd asked him. But when you know who you are and you know the shepherd's voice, you walk different. You act different. You think even if they do come against me, I'll just tell them who I am. Who are you? Child, a son of God, telling a daughter of God I should be afraid of this. Who are you? 
telling me that I'm not going to get up out of this sick bed? Who are you trying to tell me? Fill in the blank. You got to know who you are. And you're going to know who you are by knowing who your shepherd is. And this is how you know his voice. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as we close. I'm going to say one more thing. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, I know, that there's, I know there's activity everywhere. People are walking up. Kids are in here. But give me a couple more minutes of concentration if you got it because this is important. I'm going to get real specific here. I have seen people choosing, and I'm talking about Christians. I have watched believers make a choice over the past year and a half of which side of fears am I going to choose to be on. Okay, gotcha. And just let me tell you, this trick that the enemy is playing on people that they're falling for is that there is no good side of fear. Here's the very specific thing I'm talking about. I'm not going to play games and beat around the bush. I've seen people say, I'm going to either be afraid of a virus or I'm going to be afraid of a vaccine. And let me tell you, if you have chosen which side of fear you're going to be on, there is not a good choice. The trick is, once you choose your side, you've still made a bad choice. Fear is the wrong choice for the believer. Anxiety is the wrong choice for the believer. So if you're asking, how do I get past it? How do I move on past it? The answer is not an altar call. The answer is not run to the altar and cry and lift your hands and say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. The answer is get to know the voice of the shepherd. You can't just have this in a second. You can't just You're going to do you deserve it all. This is something that takes physical time. You don't automatically know who your parents are. There's people who go to their grave never actually knowing the voice of their parents, and it's a tragedy. You only know the voice of your parents because of the time you spent with them. That's why I could hear my dad's from across the pond. When you get saved, it's a done deal. You are going to be in heaven with Jesus one day. Doesn't mean you know what his voice sounds like. It doesn't mean he's been your shepherd every second of every day. But he can be. He's not withholding. His voice is right here. His voice is right here. We have no excuse to say we never heard his voice. Especially not if you're sitting in this room right now or watching on Facebook or something. There's no good side of fear. When we stop choosing which side of fear we're going to be on, we'll see a lot less division. We'll see a whole lot less division. And I hope it doesn't sound harsh to you. I hope you're not feeling condemned at all because I'm telling you this again. There's a difference between condemnation and invitation. Condemnation says you've messed up, you're no good, everybody's mad at you, blah, 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 blah. And invitation says, hey, there's a better way, and there's a step on this journey we can all take together. I'm taking this step. I'm telling you, there's days, there's weeks to go by where every day I'm making a conscious effort to listen to the voice of my shepherd over any other voice. Sometimes I got to turn off the news notifications and just spend time with the Word. Two days ago, I turned off 
worship music and just prayed in tongues for a couple hours before I felt some relief from what I was feeling in that moment. Get to know the voice of your shepherd. Start today. Start today. Before you go to sleep tonight, just get to know his voice. I'll tell you what I do every year. Just a very practical thing. I spend time in the Word, studying different things, even for messages, different points I'm thinking about. But every day, I actually, every year I do a read through the Bible in the year. Which means every day, part of my study time, it gives you a passage in the Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and Proverb. And I'm telling you, every day I do that. And then when, when I'm going through the Word and, and, and studying stuff and, and looking up stuff, I've still got that time in the Word every day. You can Google the one of your Bible and start at any time. And if you just feel like you have no direction, hey, start from there. I gave out the, the stuff at the beginning of this year. You can find it online. Maybe I'll give it out again next week. But man, the voice of the shepherd, once you know it, will begin to root fear out from the very root that would not be something you deal with ever again. Ever again, except for the awe and reverence, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the God who took every bit of us, every failure, every shortcoming on the cross, left it in the grave. And that's good news. So let's just take a couple more minutes. Let's respond to this with a moment of worship. So I want to